You know, Brandon was talking in that song there about a, a love that lasts forever and ever for a long, long time. And today, as we're wrapping up this sermon series, uh, this is the fourth part from the Song of Solomon, we're going to tell you in, in a great way of how you can make that relationship, how you can make that marriage last. Um, you know, as I said, this is week number four. And church, I want to tell you something. I, these have been really hard to preach, <laughs> It really has been, but I, I'm a firm believer that as a body of Christ and, and where the role that God has placed me in, man, we will always touch the hard topics here. We really will. And because it brings honor and glory to God when his people know what is expected of them. And so today's message, it could be probably the most practical, uh, hopefully the most helpful message that I could give you during these four weeks, and it's to pr- not only prepare people. So if you're single, this is for you too, to prepare people on on how to have a good, solid marriage. But for those of you who are married today, it it can definitely help you really invest in your marriage. Remember I told you every single week this month, God gives us the definition of love. We as individuals, as human beings, we have twisted that definition. You know, we love our Pop-Tarts. We love pizza. You know, we love our car. But God says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the actual definition of love. It says this love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. And if you read down to the end of that text there, it says this, love never fails, church. It never fails. So today what we're going to be talking about is intentions and actions. Intentions and actions. You know what we intend to do and what we actually end up doing, right? In all relationships, one of the biggest challenges for all of us, it falls between this. Well, I intended to do that and I actually did do something. There's a challenge there. See, Nobody, I've never met, I've done lots of weddings in my 13 years, and, and I've done lots of pre-marriage counseling. I've never met anybody so far who walked into a marriage and thinks like, I'm going to be the biggest jerk there is. I'm going to be a loser. I, I'm going to be difficult to live with. I'm going to make this hard. No one's ever verbalized that to me. But you know what? Yet there's a difference, church, between what we intend to do and what we actually do. And that's where the tension falls in our relationships. You know, for example, we have an ongoing battle at the Blakely House. I'm just being honest, okay? You know, I have issues. I really, I got lots of issues. I got papers to prove it too. I really do. But I've got all kinds of quirks and issues. And, and, and one of my big issues is with glasses. I've worn glasses since I was in first grade. And I am just... I'm like an 11-year-old boy with glasses. I am not trustworthy with them. I struggle with them. You know, I was going to the doctor and all the time getting like prescription ones. And finally, the last set I got on there, like, man, I'm going to take care of these ones. 450 bucks it cost me, right? I'm like, I'm going to take good care of this. You know, I got I to gotta grow up. I'm going to be responsible. And literally two days later in a woodcutting accident, um, they got smashed and demolished. And so the doctor, when I went back, he said, listen, dude, you're bad at this. 
He said, you might as well go buy a whole bunch of cheaters. He said, buy 30 pairs. You put them in every drawer, in every closet, every cupboard, wherever. Just wherever you're going to be, you got cheaters sitting there. I'm bad with those too. But here's the ongoing battle with the Blakely home. See, my wife, she uses cheaters too. But Mary's very responsible. You know, she takes them off and she folds them up in that cheap little case. They give you at Walmart and she puts them, she cleans them all the time. Mine looks like somebody licked them on the lens and laid them down. That's what they look like. And my wife is very good at taking care of hers. But sometimes, because I wake up at four and five in the morning and I can't find one of my 30 pair that I got laying around, she leaves hers laying by the nightstand. So very quietly, I pick them up and I will use them. Now, here's the thing, church. I have every intention of putting them back. I have every intention, every purpose. You know, I'm going to put them back, and, you know, she, she needs them. I know she needs them. And so suddenly she wakes up. Where's my glasses? You got my glasses again? You know, it's this ongoing battle in the Blakely house, and, you know, it's always the same thing. Well, I intended to put them back. But, you know, I was going to put them back. I was thinking about putting them back. I was planning on putting them back, but I didn't. And I never do. And so, see, Mary doesn't see my intentions. (laughs) She doesn't see my intentions. And listen, it really, it's not a a blessing on our marriage. Thus saith Mary. She'll tell you that. (laughs) She really will. But think about it. I want you to think about your relationships now. How many times do we do that? Where we intend to, you know, we were planning on, or, or, or I'm meant to. You know, isn't it interesting how you and I, we judge people by their actions. We do, right? Hey, you did this to me. You judge them by their actions. But you know what? But we judge ourselves by our intentions, don't we? Well, I meant to do that, right? That's how we judge ourselves. And so do I get bonus points with my wife because I meant to put back the glasses. No, 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 you don't. You don't get bonus points for that. See, church, you are responsible for your actions. Every single one of us, God holds us accountable, right? We are responsible for our actions. Your intentions do not affect me one way or the other. What you intend to do doesn't affect me one way or the other. We judge ourselves by our intentions, but you know what? We judge everybody else by their actions, So in our final week of Love Song here, I want to talk about closing that gap between good intentions and our actions. The goal is here, church, is for you to be an incredible blessing for your spouse, to develop that that type of intimate marriages that I believe with all of my heart, God wants you to have an intimate marriage with your spouse. And so today, we're going to look at three very simple thoughts, very simple thoughts. Remember, even if you aren't married, you pay attention. This is going to do you some good in the future. Today, we're going to talk about three simple thoughts. I believe there's power in simplicity, church. I really do. I'm a very basic, simple guy. There's power in simplicity. And so there's three things I'm going to give you today. I promise that you can remember, and if you let the Holy Spirit bring these to your memory and, and, and act upon them, these three thoughts can be life-giving in your present marriage or maybe in your future marriage. And so the first one is this. If you think something good, say it. If you think something good, say it. We're really good at saying nasty stuff to each other, aren't we? 
We really are. We're excellent at doing that. We could, it just comes right out. You're throwing it up on them every single day. You say nasty stuff all the time. But listen, church, if you think something good, you say it. Why? Solomon, really wise man, extremely wise man. In Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, he said this. He said, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, the words that you speak, church, has lots of power. Think about the ways that someone has torn you down in your lifetime, where they've said some really nasty words 30 years ago. It still affects you today, doesn't it? It does. It tears us down. It it, it hurts us. So there is life-giving power in our words, and there is the power of life and the power of death in our words. So church, if you want to have a life-giving marriage, if you want your marriage to be filled with life, life-giving, then you speak life-giving words. That's what you do. You speak life-giving words. So when you start to criticize, when you start to tear down, do you realize you're actually seeping poison into your relationship? That's what you're doing. You're seeping poison in your relationship. So I want to challenge every single person here today in all your relationships that every time you think something positive, every time you think something positive, you say it. You speak it, right? You know, don't ever rob those people you love of a blessing. Don't you rob them of a blessing. You set it free, right? You say it, you spray it, you text it, however you want to do it, you, you put it out there. And every time you think something good, bless them by saying it. So in Song of Solomon today in our story, Solomon, he, if you remember, all the four weeks we've been talking about, he is like a master complimenter. Solomon, I mean, he, he's excellent at it. He, he always lays it on thick to his lady. He does. He's really good at it. And, and, and sometimes, me personally, I think he goes a little bit too far. It makes all of us look bad. Because, I mean, he's really good at it. But it appears, church, it appears that he is never thinking something good. He's always saying something good. And there's a world of difference. So if you'll turn with me to the Song of Solomon today. Chapter 7, we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. And in this chapter, before I get started, I'll kind of detail a little bit for you there. In this chapter, it kind of looks, if you read the whole thing, it looks like she's dancing for him. Okay, that's a good thing. That's that's a good thing. So if you remember in week number 1, remember, Solomon was complimenting her. I mean, he was telling her things like, you know, your face looks like a sheep. I, I don't recommend you say that. Different context today, Right? But and today, what he's going to start doing, in chapter one, I'm sorry, he started at the top of her head, he went all the way down to her toes, complimenting her. Today, he's going to start at her feet and work his way up. So check out verse one with me. He says, how beautiful your sandaled feet, O prince's daughter. Your graceful legs are like jewels, the work of an artist's hand. So he's complimenting her feet. You got beautiful feet, baby. How many of you guys remember the Christmas story, the lamp? And it pops in your head, doesn't it there? <laughs> it, it just goes and let, let's move on, okay? So he's working his way up. Verse two says this, your navel is a rounded goblet that never lacks blended wine. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. I have no idea what he's talking about, the navel. Don't get it. I have no idea. But here's where I want to give you some points. He says, your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. All you guys pay attention to me right now. You read the King James Version. Instead of saying waist, he says belly. You never want to tell your lady that her belly or her waist looks like two mounded anything. (laughs) 
I promise you, it's not going to turn out good for you. It will not be good for you, right? It, it won't work, right? So between you and me, you, you, don't, you don't do that. But in my opinion, Solomon was the master at this, so he got away with it. Check out verse 3 with me. It says, your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. This is not public stuff. This is private stuff between him and his lady, and you can watch him. You can watch him as he, he compliments her very specifically, we'll say. Very specifically, he, he's doing it. He's just not thinking positive thoughts, church. He's speaking them. He is blessing her. He's blessing her by doing this. And today, one of the most complimentary and loving things that almost every couple, even if you don't have a great marriage, you say, I love you, right? You do. You say, love you, love, I love you. You know, it, it, it's good. But here's what can happen. It can just become very methodical. You know what I'm saying? You know, every day when my wife leaves and, and my kids leave the house, you know, it's all right. Hey, I'll see you later. Love you. And they're out the door, right? They're moving quick. And it's just something we say. But today I want to challenge you. I want to change that up. I want you to add a word and a blank after it. And you fill in that blank every single time. And here's what I want you to do. I love you because blank. I want you to get specific, church. Listen to me, guys, ladies. I love you because blank. You know, I love you because you're my best friend. You know, I love you because I'd rather spend time with you than anybody else in the world. I love you because your hair looks like a flock of goats. Remember, we talked about that in <laughs> chapter one. Whatever works for you, right? I love you because you're the best mom in the world. I love you because blank. You fill it in. You fill it in. Because here's the thing. Whenever you don't say something, whenever you don't say something, whenever you don't say something good, by human nature, your spouse, your significant other, your, the, someone in your family that you love, when you don't say something good, by human nature, we begin to assume something's bad, don't we? Think about that for a minute. Anytime you don't say something positive, people assume the opposite. They automatically go down that way, right? Have you ever done something for someone that took a lot of effort? I mean, you poured into it, your heart and your soul, and they didn't even acknowledge that you did it. Man, that burns you up, doesn't it? You're like, wait, wait, I, I made this special meal for you. I made this special meal for you, and it's your favorite. You didn't even notice. You know, you clean the house for someone top to bottom, and they walk in and just throw their junk on the floor and keep moving. Don't even recognize what it is that you did. And you're kind of like, what's the deal? Man, your wife, she goes, guys, pay attention to this one. Your wife goes out and gets a brand new haircut. Never had this one before. She went out on a limb. I want to change it up. I want to look better. You walk in, and he goes, oh, you got a haircut. <laughs> you know what your wife's thinking? He don't like it. It's bad, right? And so listen, because you didn't say something positive, you end up assuming something negative. That's the way it works. One time in the middle of the day, I found a picture of something that really meant something special to Mary and I. It really did. And so I typed out a text message to attach the picture, put some cute words at the bottom. It's none of your business what it was or what I said. And I sent it to her. And I'm like, yeah, this is going to be good. 
my baby girl is going to be so happy. She's going to send me all the little heart emojis and, and all the fire. Yeah, you got it, boy, right? And so I'm all excited, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. Hours, church, hours have passed. Mind you, my wife's a school teacher. I semi-understand, right? And, and so I'm waiting literally the whole day. She didn't say anything back to me. So in my mind, I'm going, oh, geez, what did I do? Did I say something wrong? Did I do something this morning I didn't realize? You know, did I lie to her? Did I, did I take her glasses again and not put them back on the, on the table? Right? So I go on and on in my mind, and I'm panicking because I'm thinking, this is bad. She has not answered me. And you know what? When she finally got back to me at the end of the day, and she loved it, and I'm like, oh, we're good, we're good, we're good, right? I was happy about it because Whenever someone doesn't say anything good, church, we often think something bad, don't we? It's like a default for you. You automatically think something bad. And therefore, in marriages, this happens a lot in marriages, in marriage, when someone isn't saying something good. You know, sometimes you're thinking something good, but you're not saying something good. What you're doing is robbing that person, that special someone in your life of a blessing. So every time you think something good, church, you text it, you say it, you write it every single time. Let's go back to Song of Solomon, chapter 5. Your head crowns you like Mount Carmel. Your hair is like royal tapestry. The king is held captive by his tresses. Remember, church, he digs long hair. I get it. (laughs) I do too. So he really likes his, his girl's long hair, and, and it makes him think well over, right? And that word captive, church, that word captive, in Hebrew, it means prisoner in bondage. So he's like, man, your long hair does it for me. I'm just, I'm a prisoner of love for you, girl. That's basically what he's, he's saying. He's saying your hair does this to me. But check out verse 7 and 8. That's where it gets interesting. He says, your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit, right? So he's not talking about your palm. He's talking about a palm tree. He's talking about a palm tree right there. We're going to approach this with caution, church, okay? We're going to approach this with caution. And he said, I said, I will climb the palm tree and I will take hold of its fruit. May your breasts be like the clusters of grapes on a vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples. This is in the Bible. It's in the Bible, church. So he said he's going to climb that tree and grab the fruit. And, and Okay. Proceed with caution, right? And, and li- hey, listen. Any given day, it's 50-50. It could be a good response or that could be really bad for you. But, you know, any given day. So evidently, she's in a good mood. And check out what she says in verse 10. She said, I belong to my beloved and his desire is for me. She's saying, man, I really like you. I love you. I desire you. I want to be around you. See, church, that is a very powerful word, that word desire. It's a very powerful word. And, And for her, it's, man, she's like, man, he's pursuing me. He's chasing after me. And she doesn't feel used. She feels loved. She feels beautiful. She feels cherished. She feels honored, right? Because he has given life to the good things that he's thinking. He's telling her, this is what I like about you. Every time you think something good, church, you bless them with it. You might say, I don't think a lot of good things. 
You, you might say, I don't, I don't really think a lot of good things. Then here's what you do, church. You say what you want to see. You say what you want to see. You see anything that looks good? You, you bless them. You know, ladies, listen, you want your man to be a spiritual leader? And guys, I want to tell you something. I'm being honest with you. You are going to be held accountable. You are the spiritual leader of your house. You are going to stand before the Lord and give an account. You are the spiritual leader of your home. And all you ladies are like, man, I want my man to be the spiritual leader of this house, but he ain't doing it. He isn't doing it. Here's what you do. How about this? let's say he prays over Thanksgiving dinner. Go crazy about it. Seriously. You go crazy about it in a good way, not a sarcastic way. Oh, yeah, finally you're going to decide to pray about it here? No, no, no. You don't do that. You go crazy over it in a good way, in a good way, because you realize a man's greatest need, I told you this the first week, is to be affirmed. A man needs to be affirmed. Man, you're good. You're amazing. Oh, you're just fantastic. I love the way you lead this family. I love what you do for us, right? A man's greatest need is to be affirmed. And so you encourage him. You affirm him in what you see. You do that, ladies. Guys, if she doesn't know how to encourage you, because sometimes all of us, both sides, right, we, we struggle in these areas. If she doesn't know how to encourage you, if she says one good thing, you thank her for it. Say, you have no idea what that means to me. The fact that you recognize that I'm trying to do this, I'm trying to lead this family, I'm trying to be the spiritual father of this whole family. You say, church, what you want to see. You say what you want to see every time, every single time you think something good, you say it. And here's the other thing. If you think something special, you do it. If you think something special, you do it. I want to break it down to you in two different types of special acts. Guys, listen to me right now. Girls love your time. They love your, they just want time. They want your time, right? So if you're thinking about doing something special, if you want to do something special together, don't just think about having that time. You make it happen. You set aside time for it. Make it a priority. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 11 she says this, come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. So in other words, she's saying, let's get away for the weekend. Let's get away from the kids. Let's get away from everything else. Let's go to bed and breakfast. No kids around. I don't want no kids. Did you hear me? I don't want any kids. No kids around. And you, all marriages should do this at least once a year, guys. At least once a year. We all need to get better at that, and, and we can always find reasons. Do you realize every single one of us can find reasons not to do it, but we're too busy. You know, Jimmy's got swim lessons. You know, you can go on and on and on, but when you get away, there's something special. You know, this Christmas, this past Christmas, um, our kids blessed me and Mary with a, a real quick getaway to Florida. That's the one where I got trapped down there in an airport. I still am blessed by the trip. And we went down there by ourselves. We had nowhere to go. We had no time frames, nothing. They rented us a convertible, and we drove down to the Keys from Miami. It was amazing. We laughed. We talked. We did all these things together. We had a blast. It recharges you. See, you can focus on each other. 
Because life is crazy, right? It's insane. You have to take time. And many marriages, many marriages could be saved, or, or even better, many couples will begin to make their marriage a priority when you reset. Get away together, pray together, watch shows together, laugh together, tell stories together. Purposeful time in your relationships. Check out Song of Song. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, in verse 12. It says, let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. Church, again, it says that in the Bible. It says it in the Bible. She's saying, let's go be romantic together. You know, we're planning to have some purposeful time together. Church, it's about those thoughtful acts if you think something special, do it. It's a thoughtful act. Let's go on to verse 13. She says this, The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, and I have stored up for you, my beloved. Listen, church, she went shopping. She did. She went shopping, and she thought of everything for him. It's all right there. She said, she said I got everything you like. And you might ask, what's mandrakes? Back then, it was considered an aphrodisiac, and it was thought to bring desire. And so she's thinking ahead. She's thinking ahead, and she's like, I want to do something special for my man. She's making it special. You know, I went to some people in the church a couple weeks ago as I was planning this sermon. And, I, and actually, I just asked the ladies. I asked them, what is something special that your spouse does or that you wish that they would do? So I went to, to the ladies, right? Because guys, here's, here's what we think. We think it's, it's flowers and chocolate is the way to go, right? And, and that's not it. Here's what the ladies says makes them feel special. The one lady said to me, she said, I just wish he would fold some clothes. That would mean the world to me. <laughs> that's all it's going to take, dude. You fold the clothes. You fold those clothes. And the one said to me, it would be really helpful if he would just help me get the kids ready for bed. If he would take care of the kids and put them to bed, man, I would love him forever. That's what she said. One said, just make some supper for he and I. Somebody else said, just bring me some coffee to bed. A lot of them said this, fellas. I wish they would just plan a surprise date. A surprise day, I don't have to know where I'm going. Just he comes home and says, hey, get ready. I already took care of the babysitter. I took care of everything. You and I, we're getting out of here. We're going to go out just us, right? Just planning a date night. Someone said, cleaning the house without her suggesting it. Just clean the house, dudes. Help the kids with the homework. That was another one. And so, church, why is this romantic? Why do the ladies think this is romantic? And here's why. Write this down, fellas. It's because you're serving her. It's because you're serving her. You're thinking of her. You realize that this is way more romantic than dropping a few dollars on those overpass roses at Route 45. It's way better. <laughs> way better. It is. She will like it so much better, right? And when a woman said these things, it clicked. It clicked. And I started thinking, you know, I love it when Mary serves me as well. It's not just the ladies that like it. We, guys, we like to be served as well, right? The difference is this. The difference is in our lives. We like different things. You know, one thing in our house, I told you I got a lot of issues, okay? But 
Mary and I, we, we are so opposite. We really are. But those opposites attract and we click and we really do. We make it work well. But in our lives, personally at home, I have to have the, med, the bed made. It's got to be made every day. And I ain't talking about you just pull the comforter up over top. No, no, no. I'm talking about tight corners. I'm talking about the crease under the pillows. I'm bouncing a quarter off it. You know what I'm saying. I like it to be made. And sometimes, I'm not kidding you, I can't really relax well until it's done. If 5 o'clock on those that didn't get made, we're going to bed in a couple hours. I'll make the bed. If I, I got issues. I told you that. I'm talking about tight corners. I'm talking about no wrinkles in the sheets. You know that honors God. Don't you know that? It honors God. And, and, and so it blesses me when my wife does it. It really does. It blesses me when she does it. And, and just today, this morning, this is funny. I wrote this days ago. And I walked into the bedroom after she got up, and I was getting some other stuff ready. And I walked in. I was going to make the bed made exactly the way I like it. She had no idea this was in here. No idea. But you know what? It helped me preach better today. <laughs> it did. It, it, it blessed me. She did something that she doesn't value, but because she values me, she wanted to do it that way. And so, church, when you think something special, do it. When you think something special, say it every single time. And when you do this, you will end up blessing. You end up being a blessing in people's life. The last third and final point today, if you want something different, be it. If you want something different, just be it. If you want something different in your relationship, don't you demand that your spouse be what's different. You be what's different. You set that pace. You be what's different. You be a blessing. Do you realize as you're married, as you're in even dating relationships, you end up kind of gelling together, right? You end up saying some of the same things because you rub off on each other. You end up liking some of the same things because you rub off on each other. In the same way as, you know, if you want something different in your relationship, don't demand it out of someone else. You probably aren't going to get it if you demand it but you be different. Listen to me. You serve, you serve your spouse as Christ served the church. That's what you do. You serve your spouse as Christ served the church. You remember in week one, you remember in week one, week, week one his lady said, I'm not gonna be like every other veiled woman out there who gives themselves away to other men. She said that in verse chapter, first chapter. She said, I'm going to be different. I ain't like all them other chicks out there. I'm going to be different. So if you want that, you better hit the bricks, buddy. You better go look somewhere else. She said, I'm going to be different in this way. Listen to me, single people. For all you who are single out there today, if you're in high school or above, I'm talking about you're dating, you're, you're thinking about these things. You know what? I hear, I hear teens say all the time, churchy talk, churchy teens, right? They're saying, I just want a godly girlfriend. I just want a godly boyfriend. I want a good Christian man. I want a good Christian woman. Well, listen, if that's what you want, seriously, if that's what you want, be one yourself. You be one yourself. Don't you dare hold someone to this standard up here and you're hanging out down here. It's not right. You want a good Christian man? You want a good Christian woman? You be one first. You be that one first. 
And so we go back, right? And if you remember, Solomon said this. He said, catch for us the little foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyard. Remember, church, the vineyards, that's representative of our bodies. That's what the vineyards are when Solomon's talking about the vineyards. It's about our bodies. And so we're not going to let sexual impurity pollute our purity before God. We can't do it, church. Don't you dare let your sexual impurity pollute your purity before God. We are not going to awaken. We are not going to arouse that love before it's appointed time, the Bible calls it. You keep yourself in check. We are going to be different, is what she's telling him. So instead of always thinking bad about that spouse, church, we need to think the best. I mean, we, we've got to be different. If you want something different in a relationship, then you be what you want, right? You know what? It, it takes two. It takes two of us to make a relationship work. But here's where I really want to inform you today. Guys, men, listen to me. Do you realize that you hold the bigger responsibility? Biblically speaking, you hold the bigger responsibility. I tell everybody when I'm doing pre-marriage counseling, I, got, I told you I'm a simplistic guy. And I look at the dude and I say, listen, you're going to have kids someday. And let's say you have one child, you have two child, we'll say two children. And I look at him and I say, let's make it as simple as possible. There's four of you in that house. If you got three Hershey bars, you don't get one. You put your family first. Now, you got a good woman, she's going to split hers with you. But guys, seriously, we're called to serve first. We are. Society has warped that and twisted it. Where the men should just sit around and the woman does everything. Guys will come home, I worked all day. Well, your wife's a school teacher, she worked all day too. It, it's it's a, a shared thing. Guys, you are going to be held to a higher standard before the Lord. You are called to a higher standard. You have more responsibility in this. You lead. You lead, men. It's your job to lead. You lead towards what God wants you to have in that relationship. You're like, this is the way we're going. This is the way we're going. And women, you know what? Women, you are naturally, you're multipliers, right? You are. And I mean that in a good way. You multiply things. You, you, you take something. Yeah, I, I remember when I had my first house. It was a bachelor pad for me and my brother. Mary moves in a couple months later. It had milk crates for furniture when I lived in there by myself. Mary brings like matching stuff and made the house look good. She took something basic and she multiplied it, right? She took something that was simple and she made it better. And so listen, if you don't like church, if you don't like what you're getting, look at what you're giving. You look at what you're giving. You can't change anybody else, but you can change yourself. You can change yourself. And women, what I love about you ladies, you will multiply what is given to you. If I come in and start being kind, it seems like, ladies, sometimes you, your stutter's starting a little bit, <laughs> but eventually you become kind back. Man, you're going to get what you're giving, right? Man, look at how you're treating your spouse. If you want to serve Christ, right? If you want to serve Christ, then you serve one another. You can experience the blessings that are greater than anything that you could possibly imagine, and it takes a lot of being intentional. It's this ongoing, this thing of seeking God first, church. You seek him first. You be intentional. 
You seek God and you surrender to his will in all your relationships. I'd like to ask the praise team to come up here right now. And I want to leave you with one last verse from the Song of Solomon. I've enjoyed this. I hope you have too. But in the Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6, here's what she says. She says, place me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. It burns like a blazing fire, like a mighty flame. And church, if I could wrap that verse up, this is what a solid relationship looks like. That's what it looks like. And it starts with Christ at the base. It does. You want to have a good relationship? You make Christ be the center of it. You surrender to him first. Remember remember the verse? I read it to you a million times. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And they said, I'll sprinkle everything else in there with it. And all these things will be added unto you, he says. When you seek him first, when you make him the center of all your relationships, when you make him the center of your marriage, Church, that's what strong marriages are built on, with Christ being at the center. It's the center of it. You weave your life around him, not you establish a life and expect God to weave it around yours. You make him the center, and you put your life around it. And that's what a solid relationship looks like. So this morning, I want to ask you something, church. Do you want something better? Seriously, do you want something better? If you do, here's how you're going to get it. Surrender. It's simple. You surrender. You say, all right, God, I'm done. It's all yours. You take my life. Everything I am, God, I give it to you. Father God, I surrender my marriage to you because I've screwed it up. Lord, I give you my marriage and all you parents out there, do you realize you have to give him your children too? They're not yours, they're loners. It's a loner. God's saying, I trust you enough to do good with them, to teach them, to show them, to raise them up right so that they know the Lord. I'm gonna say one more thing before I wrap it up. Parents, I hope you realize something. There's no proving this statistic, but I read this. 90% of whether or not your child goes to heaven is up to you because you raise them to know who Christ is because the world's not going to do that. For those of you who says, I don't want to shove it down their throat, I'll let them make the decision when they're older. You are setting them up for eternity, an eternity of failure. You raise them up. So what is it, church? What is it you want? You surrender. This morning, maybe you've never surrendered your life to Christ. I want to encourage you, you come forward. Take the first step. You surrender to him saying, Lord, I want to give you my sin. I want to give you my shame. Lord, I confess all these things to you and please forgive me. And you invite Christ to your heart and it will blow your mind what he's going to do in your life, in your marriage, in your children's lives. It's a legacy. It's what you will leave. So how about it, church? Let's stand together and let's sing. But I want to encourage you to respond this morning.